to have Russ and Shekinah Klein with us. Unfortunately, Kim um, could not make it today. She says, we've been praying for Kim. Um, and I think Russ will probably give us a quick little update. But um, Kim is still recovering and trying to get her energy back. But we are really happy to have Russ and uh, Shekinah with us. Um, we go back at least 21 years, maybe 22. I was trying to remember when you first came to our church in Vancouver. Um, but it's a long-time relationship. And um, I, sort of the memorable part of uh, the Kleins coming and ministering at Harvest City was uh, they were there on September the 11th, uh, 2021. So 911. And we had services scheduled on the Sunday, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, and I think it was a Wednesday night as well. And I remember sitting in my office on that Tuesday morning and realizing that the world had changed. And uh, my office at the time, I looked out to the north, and there was plane after plane coming in and landing in Vancouver. Uh, I could see right out through my office window. And uh, airlines that never seen fly into Vancouver previously. And then I all of a sudden looked out, and there was uh, uh, two fighters uh, right on the wingtip of a big 747 coming in. And um, they were not uh, Canadian fighters. They were U.S. fighters, aircraft coming in. And I realized, wow, our world has changed. Um, that happened multiple times in the next couple of hours. We had fighters circling the airport. We uh, tried to decide what to do that night, whether we were going to go ahead with the service or not, and um, decided that we would, that God was still going to speak and still minister. And so the Kleins were at with us that night on September the 11th. And unfortunately, they got stuck in Canada for about a week or 10 days before they could get back to the U.S. But And um, Kim was actually expecting Shekinah. So Shekinah almost became a Canadian citizen by birth. <laughs> um, but we go back a long time. We just really appreciate the ministry of the Kleins. Um, you know, they have a very prophetic ministry. And um, I, I, I was in my earlier days, I was kind of suspicious a little bit of prophetic ministry. But I just want to share this real quick testimony just to, because it really, I think, authenticates the ministry of Russ and Kim and Shekinah. My wife and I and our pastor, George Johnson, and his wife, Joyce, we were down in Argentina, went down for a conference, and we ended up ministering there. Um, for days on end and we went out one night after the service for dinner and we're sitting at the table with the pastor of the church and uh, we're just sitting and having a nice meal and all of a sudden he jumps up from the table and comes around to my side where I was sitting and said to the interpreter I have a word for Dan and so he gave me a prophetic word um, and it was it was quite the word and I, I was like okay Scripture says to test it. And so we decided between my wife and Pastor George and Joyce, we were not going to share that word at all with anybody. It was kept between the four of us. And we did not share it. And by basically, you had written it down um, as best as we could, and being interpreted from Spanish into English. Um, fast forward about nine months later, um, Kleins come to the church and called us up front afterwards. They were ministering. And um, Russ and Kim began to give a word. You know, they gave me the exact same word, such that it was recorded, and when we transcribed it, put it down onto paper, it was only three words different. 
and what that word that we had had in Argentina. So if that doesn't get my your attention, um, yeah, it, it really does. So anyways, we're just really happy to have them with us all the way from Hampton, Virginia. And uh, come on up, let's give them a warm welcome. Thanks, Dan. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good being with you, Pastor Emily and Dan. Thank you all for letting us come on on a holiday weekend. We appreciate it so much. Thank you for your prayers for Kim. Um, yeah, about a week, uh, what was it, today's Sunday. Um, on Saturday, uh, eight days ago, uh, we were preaching in Calgary, and Kim woke up. She had a little bit of a rash on her lower left leg, and by the end of the day, it had darkened and spread all throughout the lower left leg. Uh, Kim is non-insulin-dependent diabetic, um, but we had we were surrounded by nurses at the church in Calgary, and then we had to go to Drayton Valley uh, to minister. So, you know, uh, we found this, that even when we go through trials, God is with us, and God puts people on our paths, and so um, they, they found it was uh, pretty serious cellulitis, which, can, which is basically, I guess, a um, bacterial infection in the tissue. And it can be uh, extremely serious for diabetics. But thank you for your prayers. Kim is, uh, she said, what, 7 out of 10 of her IV antibiotics. So uh, she is in recovery. Uh, the leg's looking a lot more normal. The rashes has um, beginning to disappear and all of that. So uh, thank you. I, you know, God, God is intervening there. You know, with his touch, his power, and using medicine as well. Uh, she's really worn out. It's just uh, taking its toll on the body. But um, she is uh, resting in Westlock, where we're staying with some friends up there, and, and doing good. Look, if we um, if if we got a chance to meet you a few years ago, I think it was in what September 2019, last time we were here. And so uh, you know, I she kind of continues to grow. I'm trying to shrink, <laughs> uh, not grow, but uh, uh, she kind of is 20, almost 21. She'll be 21 on October the 19th. And I've um, been traveling with us around the world. So Kim and I have been married for 38 years, traveling around the world for 36 years now. Uh, by the grace of God, he's allowed us to go to six continents and 40-some nations, declaring the word of the Lord. And uh, Shekinah was, like you said, almost born in Canada. She was saved in Canada, baptized in the Holy Spirit in Canada. First person she saw healed when she laid hands on him by herself was in Canada. The first person she prophesied to was in Canada. Uh, then she got filled with the Spirit, not just a, a one-time uh, experience of speaking in tongues, but filled with the Spirit and just uh, on and on in Canada. And so we have, we have a, a pastor friend up in Westlock. He thinks that she needs to find a husband in Canada. So uh, let's see what we, that's what you were thinking too. I, I'm not sure out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. But um, anyway, so uh, it's been just exciting to watch her continue to grow. And she's been writing um, some books. She's been writing devotionals. Uh, well, really for anyone, but with a focus towards young adults. And so we're getting ready to try to get that edited and published on Amazon. Kim's just finishing her book of her journey into the prophetic. And so uh, we understand that that time is of the essence. So we want to rush through things. We also want to don't want to have a lot of extemporaneous uh, speaking right now. So what I want to do is let Shekinah share with you a devotion that God has stirred on her heart for this morning. So, sweetie. First of all, I want to say it is so great to be here. I love you guys so much. I've missed you. I have missed Canada so much. And honestly, I'm really expecting God to do amazing things this morning. So I can't wait to see what he does. Uh, while I was praying about what to um, speak with y'all um, this morning, this kind of came into my heart. So here goes. It's one of my devotions. 
What do Rahab the prostitute, Simon the leper, Matthew the tax collector, and Doubting Thomas all have in common? They are still known to this day by their faults, sins, and sicknesses. Their faults are intertwined with their names. To the world, you may be defined by your past, your mistakes, and your failures. Someone can do the right things all of their life, but if they make a mistake, many times certain people will not recall your earlier good deeds, but they'll remember your mistake. It isn't fair that one mistake can haunt you for years. However, that's not how God looks at you. He doesn't look at you and ignore all the great things you've done to focus on your mistakes. He doesn't define you on your past. He defines you by you, by your heart, and by your future that he has etched out for you. Rahab was one of the Bible's earliest women heroines. She risked everything to hide the Hebrew spies sent by Joshua. She could have easily been thrown out in exile or killed if she was caught. However, the Lord showed her mercy and protected her from being demolished with the wall. In fact, Rahab is in the direct lineage of Jesus, and yet she is still associated with her past. Lepers were outcasts and considered unclean. People went out of their way to avoid them at any cost. They were cast out, hidden, and were not associated with, and Simon was one. Jesus had compassion on Simon. He healed him from his affliction, which led Simon to go into society not as an outcast, but as an equal. Simon didn't have to live outside of society anymore, and he got a house. It was in this house of Simon's that the infamous story of the woman washing Jesus' feet with perfume happened at. By all accounts, Simon became an avid follower of Jesus, and yet he's still known by his past affliction. Tax collectors were unanimously disliked in those times. Tax collectors were typically known to cheat people out of money, and they were known to have very little compassion. Matthew was a tax collector. In fact, he cheated his future friends out of money. However, Jesus saw his heart and simply asked Matthew to follow him. Gone were the days of him cheating people out of money. Gone were the days where profit overtook passion. Matthew became one of Jesus' most trusted disciples. He traveled with Jesus and saw him do miracles. Jesus trusted Matthew to write one of the core gospels. Jesus trusted Matthew's words and mind, and yet he's known by his old profession. Thomas was a thinker, strategical and logical. Like many of us, Thomas wanted to know the whys, hows, and whens. Thomas put his trust in logic many times rather than faith. He liked to have solid evidence before he jumped into anything. I think many of us can relate to that. Believing can be tough at times because you're putting your faith into something you can't physically see or touch. So it was a struggle for Thomas, but he couldn't deny the evidence when he saw with his own eyes the miracles that Jesus did. He couldn't deny that Jesus was unlike any man he had ever known. When Jesus told Thomas to follow him, it went against everything in Thomas's personality to jump without looking. However, he took that leap of faith and was one of Jesus's beloved disciples. In fact, Thomas was one of the many disciples to be martyred for the cause of Christ. It took him some nudging, but when he began to believe, he believed with his whole heart. Yet his name is still associated with doubt. People may have seen Rahab as someone with loose morals. Simon is someone who is sick and not worthy of their time. Matthew is someone who is untrustworthy and a taker. And Thomas is someone who is skeptical of what was in front of his eyes. God, however, sees Rahab as a loved and trusted daughter. Simon is a worthy and whole man. 
Matthew as an intelligent and trustworthy friend, and Thomas as a loyal and hardworking son. When God looks at us, he doesn't define us by our mistakes. He doesn't define us by our illnesses or by our past. You can't stop the shallow and judgmental thoughts of others, but you can stop your shallow and judgmental thoughts about yourself. Stop defining yourself by your mistakes or by your problems. God doesn't. You shouldn't either. If you've messed up, well, congratulations. That proves you're a human being. Do not allow your past to dictate your future. There's a saying that goes, you can't have a testimony without a test. So let God create your testimony. Thank you, sweetie. I mean, I think that's going to be a good book. Uh, we appreciate that, sweetie. Look, let me, let me share a few things. I'm going to look at scripture in Matthew 26. But leading up to that, let me tell you kind of some of my personal journey uh, spiritually over the last just bit of time. So during the shutdown of, of COVID and all the different things, the opinions of, uh, and the politics and the culture and the medicine and the fear and all the other stuff going on, we found that, uh, and you are too, that God reigns above all of that. God is not limited uh, by those things or defined. What God's doing in the earth is not defined by the current cultural situation or political situation. And uh, ministry-wise, we had to learn to do things a bit different, including those of us that travel. So uh, we were shut down for about three and a half months. That's probably the longest we've been at home in, in our whole marriage. Uh, but uh, we began doing things online. So we worked with an apostle from Vietnam, a good friend of ours. We are doing online ministry in Vietnam. And then we began doing some ministry in Pakistan uh, online. I was actually in Pakistan in early 2001 uh, when Kim found out she was pregnant with Shekinah. But um, over the last uh, year, God connected us with a satellite TV ministry in Pakistan that we vetted, we got to know, built relationship, and we trust them. And so they reach in 100 plus nations, a potential audience of about 400 million people. So we've been doing online pastors' conferences and, and evangelistic crusades. So um, back, oh, about eight, nine months ago, I got to do uh, uh, an evangelistic meeting with a little village. There's about 50 people. They were gathered in a hut, and they put a big computer screen in there, and I was able, through the interpreter online, to preach Jesus to them. Then um, at the beginning of June, they asked me to do something again, but this was not in a small setting. Uh, they went to an area of Pakistan that is under Taliban control. Uh, there are terror training camps in the area. And when you do big crusades, typically you try to do four or five days at a time because you're going to spend the money and the time and the effort to get thousands of people out. You, you want to have uh, multiple opportunities to share Jesus. But in this area and what's going on right now, it was not safe for them to come together more than one day. And so they drew together a crowd. They expected probably eight, 10, 000, eight to 10,000 people. Ended up over 20,000 people came together for a few hours of, of music and, and, and everything else. But again, these were radical Muslims. And, and I had an opportunity to preach Jesus to them. So what they did, they got these giant movie screens and put them around. And my face filled the whole screen. That's when you don't want high-def cameras. Um, and, and I preached Jesus to them. And I preached from the parable uh, where Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. It's like a merchant 
who is looking for a treasure. And he finds the, 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 the field where the treasure is buried, and he wants to get it. But to get it, he's got to sell everything that he's got to buy the field and obtain the treasure. And then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is also like a merchant searching for a pearl of great price. He finds this pearl, but to be able to purchase the pearl, he's got to sell everything he has to be able to buy the pearl. And so it's a very easy segue from that parable to say this, whether you have much or little, the treasures of this world do not satisfy. There's one treasure we're all seeking, that treasure is Jesus. But to get that treasure of Jesus, you have to sell everything. By that, it's talking about repentance. You don't just add Jesus to your life. And then many times in other religions, false religions, you know, they can somewhat add Jesus to the list of deities. But you have to help people understand the only way to truly surrender to Christ is to walk away from everything and repent. And so, you know, I, we presented the gospel. We gave an altar call. We prayed. Then we prayed for the sick, for the power of God to touch. And then the, the Pakistani team, I got off after about an hour. The Pakistani team were there to continue praying and getting testimonies. And a few weeks later, I got the results. Now, when you do big crusades, the reality is a lot of people say prayers. Only God knows the heart. You know, and so sometimes numbers can sound very impressive, but God knows how many are, searching, you know, continuing on. But you know what? I thank God that at least people began the journey and that the Pakistani church that we work with and people who are there to continue, they're actually planting house churches. It's not safe for them to build a church building and, and have a meeting like that, but they're planting dozens of house churches. But in that one day, over 18,000 people prayed to give their lives to Jesus. I mean, just phenomenal. And then they got back and they said there were over 70 people who had been brought in in wheelchairs, stretchers, crutches, and canes who left those at the grounds and they were healed by the power of Jesus. Over 40 people had visible tumors on their bodies and the tumors either fell off or dissolved in Jesus' name. Over 200 people, when the name of Jesus went out, demons began to scream as the power of the Lord, the presence of God, drove the demonic out of them. And so just phenomenal things that, that God can do, even, even online. You know, it's just amazing. But as, as I was preaching that, um, that message, and over the next few weeks, I began to um, reconsider my own heart, my own devotion to Christ. And it's not that I'm in sin or anything like that, but I think it's vital that we occasionally take a, 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 a pulse of where our own heart is with God. And, you know, am I willing to sell everything to follow Jesus? Now, again, I'm not in sin, but sometimes, you know, the ministry and anointing and opportunities, even for the kingdom of God, can end up becoming an idol and become more important than the person of Jesus himself. And so I think even as followers of Christ, we've got to be willing to examine our own hearts. So that's what's been happening in me since really probably the early part of, of, of this year. And so it took me, as I began contemplating all this, to a familiar scripture in Matthew 26, kind of reference this. And it's when Jesus is uh, at, at the home of, of Simon the leper in Bethany. And, and the story goes, and again, for sake of time, I'm not going to, you know, take it all completely apart. But a woman comes to him with an alabaster jar worth a year of perfume worth a year's wages. She breaks it and she pours it on Jesus because of the passion in her heart. Now, this story is actually recorded in all four Gospels, and there seem to be some differences. 
Some Bible scholars believe that this happened at least twice, if not more, not just one account. In one account, it is a sinful woman, the Scripture says, that does this. And many believe that this is Mary Magdalene, the prostitute who is demonized, who the heart and power of Jesus reached out to and set her free, delivered her, and loved her right where she was as a broken, uh, a, a, a broken, possessed woman. Jesus' love reached out and touched her. And when you are forgiven much, the Bible says you do what? You love much. And so the passion in our hearts for Jesus, for giving us and giving us a new life, is what led this woman to be extravagant in her expression of devotion to Jesus. Another scripture of, of this story seems to indicate it may have been Mary, the, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And you remember, Martha was busy serving. Mary would sit at his feet because she treasured not only the words he spoke, she treasured his presence and she had seen her brother died and resurrected from the dead. And so regardless of what your background is, religiously or spiritually, whether you were lost in deep darkness of sin, or whether you got saved as a child and have served God all of your life, what comes together in these stories is that they were consumed by passion for the Son of God. And that passion led them to be extravagant. We live in a culture today where people are being extravagant. They're being extreme. They're being radical. Sometimes for destructive causes and causes of darkness and depravity and debauchery. People are just, I mean, they've thrown off all constraints, it seems, and running after darkness and sin. And yet sometimes in the church, it seems like we're so concerned about hurting somebody's feelings or offending somebody. You know what? We love people, but truth will offend people's uh, sin. So we've got to be willing to walk in the truth and pour ourselves out. When this woman took the alabaster jar worth a year's wages, to get to that perfume, an alabaster jar, you couldn't just uncap it and pull it you know, a little bit on the pulse points. You couldn't take an atomizer and spray it in there and walk through the spray of perfume. To get to the perfume, the, the jar had to be broken. It could not be put back together. And so all the perfume had to be used at once. You see, when we come to the Lord, we're not just giving a little bit. And I'm not just talking about offerings and money. I'm talking about our lives. We don't just say, Lord, here's a little bit. I'll try you out for today. I'll see if you're faithful or true. We've got to be willing to be broken and spilled out for the purpose and cause of Jesus because of passion. And so Judas um, and, and the disciples, it says, were offended. And they said, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, how many of you agree that giving to the poor sounds noble and biblical and spiritual? Well, it is, isn't it? Pure religion and undefiled is what? To care for the widow and the orphan. It is the heart of Jesus. He said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor are in the heart of God. And if we are following the heart of God, we are going to have a heart and a desire to help those in need, just like what you're doing with the warm socks in winter. And we've been here in the winter. <laughs> they need about five pairs of warm socks to endure 40 below zero. Uh, but Jesus said something that, can be very offensive to our religion. He said, the poor you're always going to have around. In other words, Jesus said, you're never going to eradicate poverty on this side of eternity. But there's something greater than just social gospel. There's something greater just doing good works, as powerful as they are, needed as they are. And she chose the better part. 
And that is that we do not try to uh, earn God's acceptance or please God by just doing good works. We pour ourselves out for Him. And so the spirit of religion will always sound noble and wonderful, but will always be offended by extravagant hearts. God in this day is looking for people who will be extravagant lovers. Have you ever seen somebody, a couple, out in public, and they're so ooey-gooey romantic, they're embarrassing? You know what? There needs to be something about our love for God. I'm not talking about going around acting like, you know, stupid or, or, you know, foolish. But there comes a point where we don't hide our passion for Jesus just in a service, in a building, in in a home meeting. That people need to see that we are serving not a political cause. And and look, we need to stand for freedom. In your nation and my nation, look, we really don't know what persecution is. I honestly, these last three years, I've been astounded at the, the, uh, the, the infantile, juvenile, crybaby attitude of the Western church. Oh, they're making me wear, I have to wear a mask. Oh, no, Jesus, come rescue me. Look, I don't like masks. I like my man. I don't like mandates. We need to stand for freedom before we lose it. But hear this: people are suffering, being tortured, and dying for the cause of Christ in the earth. And you know what? I love the, you know the movies, the end times. I teach on that stuff, preach on that stuff. But can I tell you, the Western church thinks, oh, we have to wear a mask. Oh, Jesus has got to come. Guys, this is not persecution yet. Yes, the, the enemy is trying, and, and we got to, I pray for, you know, I pray for the demonized puppet in the White House, and I pray for your drama teacher. Um, you know, I pray that they encounter Christ. Can you imagine if, 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 if they truly found Christ, what could happen? And I, and I do pray, you know, God, if they don't repent, shatter the teeth of the wicked. <laughs> that, that's in the Psalms. Smile at me. It's okay. You don't have to be as dramatic as I am. Um, But I want to be an extravagant lover of Jesus. And out of that, to demonstrate that by pouring out my life. And that leads me to what I want to close with um, here for a moment. Back a few months ago, we were in Florida. Uh, we have actually have a uh, one of our base churches in Sarasota, right just just north of where the hurricane just hit, um, and we were there just a few weeks ago. But um, earlier in the year, we were down there ministering, and I was sharing the scripture, and I had a, a vision, and the vision was of a giant heart, you know, and it looked like not a real heart; it looked like a nice Valentine's heart, and. I heard the voice of the Lord say, Russ, I'm inviting you to the adventure of the discovery of the heart of God. So the Holy Spirit said, Russ, you're being invited to an adventure to discover God's heart. And in the vision, there was an open doorway. And in the vision, as I walked towards the doorway, it was standing open, and the door was Jesus. You see, I love this, because discovering the heart of God is not about how good I am. It's not about how long I pray, how long I fast, how much I give. The doorway into the heart of the Father is Jesus. So it's not my goodness. It's not my religiosity. It's the same free gift of interest. Salvation, yes. But I begin to learn and discover and, and, and find my identity in the heart of God. So in the vision, I walked into the doorway, and there was a, 
it can sound, you know, kind of out there, but it was like a, a mist or a cloud, and it was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just said, and, and again, it was just, it was not audible voices, in the, the internal voice of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm here to guide you as you discover the heart of God. And so in the vision, I began to walk in the rooms in the heart of God. I want to share with you two or three of those rooms, and then I have the privilege to, to pray that God would reveal his heart to us in a fresh way. The first room I discovered in the heart of God was a room full of mirrors. Now, I don't know about you. I don't always like mirrors. Have you ever uh, gotten ready in the morning and think, okay, I'm, I'm passable. I, you know, I, I, I could get by. Nobody's going to run away screaming if I show up. And, and then somebody takes a photo, a picture, or a video, and you see it, and you go, oh, my word. I look like that. I thought I looked better. Anybody understand? All right. When I looked in the mirror in the heart of God, at first I was afraid. I was nervous because you remember what Shekinah said that we many times define ourselves by our mistakes, our sins, our past. I was saying I got saved when I was five years old. I've served God all my life, but I'm, I'm not a perfect person. And so sometimes when we come into the heart of God, we're afraid to approach his presence because we're afraid he's going to immediately begin to enumerate everything we've done wrong. But do you understand, do we understand, when we come through Jesus, when we repent of our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins and transgressions from us. And so our identity in the heart of God is no longer tied to our past, but it is tied to who God has made us and who he's making us and forming us to be. My pastor back home in Virginia says this. He says, your identity is not tied to your history. Your identity is tied to your destiny. We all have a past, good, bad, and ugly. But in the heart of God, that's not what identifies. So when I looked in the mirror in the heart of God, I looked like Russ. I mean, I looked like who I am, but I also somehow looked like Jesus. And it wasn't that I am Jesus. It was that God is bringing the reflection of Jesus in every one of our lives, in the uniqueness of who you are. You don't have to try to make yourself over into the image of some preacher or online prophet or whatever else. God has created you with the uniqueness of that, that alabaster jar. You are an alabaster jar of value, of beauty to the Lord. God created you with the pasta, the personality and the look and the expressions and everything else you have. Because in that uniqueness, when you and I are filled with her perfume and the fragrance of the life of Jesus Christ, we can be broken and spilled out and people will be drawn to the beauty of the Lord. And so God wants you and I to see in his heart the uniqueness of who you are and that you and I can reflect Jesus because that's how God sees us. There are so many other rooms in the heart of God. I went in one room, and on the table it was the vision room. And there were glasses, there were binoculars, there was a telescope and a microscope. And I felt the Lord say, Russ, true vision is not just an anointing, it's not just prophecy, it's not just revelation, but it is knowing my heart. Because when you understand and know my heart for you and for the people I've called you to reach, you will begin to see clearly the glasses, the things right around us, the binoculars, the sphere we're called to reach, the telescope is that he is the God of the universe and no power in hell and no conspiracy uh, theory has any ability to defeat the kingdom of God. And the microscope is to go deep into the things of God. 
And then there was a, a, another room. It was a room full of keys. There were car keys and house keys and key cards and digital keys and the, and the key fobs and there were the old skeleton keys. Keys in Scripture symbolize authority. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. He will build his ecclesia. He will build not just church meetings, but a governmental body that in the kingdom and by the, the, the power of the Lord, we can uh, uh, exercise the kingdom authority of heaven on earth. But he has given the keys, the authority to you and I. Can I tell you something? You have more authority in the lives of your children and your family and your circumstances spiritually than any apostle or prophet on planet earth. And so we don't just come waiting for a prophet to give us a word or an apostle to come and speak a, a, a declaration or decree over our lives. You have the keys of the kingdom. You have authority in your sphere of influence, which includes your family and those God's called you to reach. But I found this. If I want to have the authority of the Lord, sweetie, would you take that? Set it aside. If we want to have the authority of the Lord, we need to have the heart of God. And so I close with this illustration. We've lived in our home in, in Hampton, Virginia, built in 1960, uh, you know, middle class, lower middle class neighborhood. And we, we got our house in the year 2000. Been a nice little, you know, just uh, older neighborhood. About three years ago, a drug house moved in across the street. And uh, for about a year and a half, it was gunfire every night. And, and drug deals, everything else. About a year and a half ago, uh, we all of a sudden heard just uh, automatic gunfire. We ran. We happened to be home. We, we ran to the back of our house and hid under the bed. Uh, the next morning, there was an FBI bust. They found, they found 64 bullet shells in my driveway. All right? Uh, they bring out guns and drugs and everything else, and they're still there. The federal law system is just crazy. I mean, you know, you see what's happening with our FBI just weaponized against you know, uh, Judeo-Christian values. But anyway, um, and so it was, and, and can I tell you, I was angry. And I'm praying, God, shatter the teeth of the wicked, you know. Um, and the Lord just said this, Russ, do you think I died for those drug dealers? My theology said yes, but my heart didn't want to admit it. Because that meant I had to not just pray God destroy them, I had to pray, pray God love them and draw them. Can I tell you, if you and I are going to have authority in our, in our nation, if Canada's going to have an awakening, if America's going to have an awakening, it doesn't mean we approve everything going on, but we must love our nation. We must love our city. We must say, God, help me to see the way that you see Justin Trudeau. Now, again, it doesn't justify sin. We've got to let our voices be heard politically, everything else. But we understand that God loves. Jesus died for these. And so if we want to have a, the authority of the Lord to open the door for the gate, the gates so the kingdom of glory can come in and shut the door on the devil, that operates by the love of God. So I want to encourage you and challenge you today to say, God, let me discover your heart, your heart of passion and compassion for me, and Lord, for what you want to do through my life. Stand to your feet with me, if you would. Shekinah, come join me, please, just for a moment. Um, would you stretch your hands towards Pastor MLA and Dan? We want to start here, and what we're going to do is this, because in a moment, we're going to need to uh, dismiss and, and begin taking things down, all of that. 
Shekhan and I are going to come over in this side, and we're going to be available. We'd love to pray for you if you have uh, an individual need or you'd like us to pray with you. We're not promising to give prophecies to everybody, but we will pray, and if God speaks something, uh, we, we will do that. But I want us to pray corporately, but start. Let's pray for, for Pastor Emily, for Dan, and for this house. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have been forming in us the heart of Jesus. That, Lord, you've been forming in them the heart of the Lord. And, God, while we, we understand through relationship, Lord, the, the, the story and, the, and the, the history and how you brought them together, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, hearts are being healed and made whole, Lord, over disappointment and, and, and a loss and all these other things. And thank you for that process. And, Lord, part of that process is being in one another's lives. For, Lord, as you bring fresh relationships, you heal. You use these relationships not to forget the good of the past, but to heal the heart. So, Lord, thank you that you're doing that in them as, as a man and a woman, as a couple, Lord, and as leaders. But, Lord, we pray that that same heart continue to be released in this family. Not just talking about them, but, Lord, this family called Lifespring. That, Lord, you would heal hearts. That, Lord, you would bring in the brokenhearted. I, I, you know, um, she kind of says this a lot about the, the phrase, the hug of heaven. And it's a healing hug. And what I kept seeing is this. The Lord saying, through this body, I want to hug the unhuggable and the unlovely. And it's not just outward. We're not talking about just outward things and, and outward appearances. But those who have gotten so hurt and broken by life and sometimes even by church that they become prickly, if you understand what I'm saying. Is when you try, have you ever tried to hug somebody uh, in, in, in a proper way and they, they recoil because uh, they've been hurt? I sense part of what God is going to be continuing to do, if it's not already started, is uh, bringing those who are prickly in their, their, um, their, their, their soul, their mind, will, and emotions. But the love of God, the hug of heaven, is going to disarm them. And I saw the healing oil and wine being poured over them. So, Lord, for their families, but God, for life spring, we pray that the hearts would be made whole, that there would be an adventure of discovering in a fresh way the heart of God. So, Lord, we thank you that we can know you by the mind and theology and truth we, we, that's valuable, but, Lord, may it go from the head to the heart. And, Lord, may you transform our hearts. May you grab our hearts I, one of the prayers I pray a lot is, Lord, arrest my heart. Sometimes even when I'm, I'm serving God, my heart can wander here and wander there, not necessarily even to sin, but not focus fully on Christ. And, and I just say, Lord, uh, arrest my heart. Scripture says in the Song of Solomon, talking about the beloved, that when we take even a moment to look at the beloved, his heart is ravished with love for us. God, may this congregation take time to look in the direction of the lover of their soul, knowing that your heart is ravished with love for them. And, Lord, we then love you because you first loved us. May this body be consumed by the fiery heart of God. And, Lord, drawn into that adventure of discovering the heart of God.
I feel like the Lord is forming you into a spiritual first aid kit. That's the best way I can describe it. I saw as people were coming to you with gaping holes in their body. And you had these tools, but honestly, you didn't know what to do because you had the tools, but you didn't have the directions. And I saw as each individual person would come to you and God would... Um, point out the specific tool that you needed to use and whisper the directions in your ear. I believe the Lord is going to even be taking you into a season of being a spiritual first aid kit for him. By the way, stretch your hands for them, and I offer this for you all to consider. Pray it through. I've never heard it this way before. When Shekinah was saying that, I felt the Lord say this. It is not going to be a, uh, a one-location hospital. It is going to be care stations. I don't know all the way that's going to translate, but I just sense the Lord saying it's not just going to be a location. Uh, you know, we during this health journey with Kim, we've hit three or four different places, and none of them had everything that was needed in just one location, but it was the people and the places and the medicines and the intervention needed in the different places. And I just sense the Lord saying, I'm bringing forth a, 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 a networking of care stations that are going to heal broken people. So, Lord, we bless Emily, we bless Dan, we bless, Lord, this family here. And, God, we pray that we would discover your heart as we are invited by your spirit, Lord, on a new adventure in our walk with God. So, Lord, we honor you, we praise you for Jesus. You alone are worthy. Lord, on this Thanksgiving weekend, thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for your heart for others that we get to express. Lord, spiritually and practically, in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for allowing us to uh, have a few moments to share with you. Look, we're going to be over, do some ministry. Okay, all right. Of course, with the lights, it's hard to see. Feel free to take a seat if you desire um, with that. And so, Lord, we thank you. Uh, Shekinah, if there's anyone in particular... Um, or anything in particular um, that, that you feel. So, Lord, we thank you. Now, remember this. Prophecy doesn't control our life. Um, we all can hear the voice of God. When a prophetic word comes, we, we just, you know, take it to the Lord, to Scripture, all these other things. But, Father, we pray that you would just bring uh, full release, full understanding. And, Lord, in a, in a moment as we uh, uh, come over to the side here, if there's a way that we can minister your heart into, uh, into people. So, sweetie, go ahead. Um, I forgot your name, but you right there. Yes, you. <laughs> so um, I saw your heart in this vision. And I saw that there were lots of scabs. There were scars. There were things that had healed up partly, but never fully got to be completely healed. And I saw as the Lord took what looked like anointing oil, and he started touching all the scars, all the bruises, all of the scabs that never fully healed up, and they started to heal up. But then he took that same anointing oil, and he started anointing your feet. And there was a path that he had started to light up for you, and with every footstep that you took on that path, he would anoint your feet every single step of the way. Just shut your hands sort of for a second. You know, as Shekinah was talking, there's a phrase in Scripture that says, uh, pour in the oil and the wine. Oil is healing. Wine was part of healing, but it also was joy. I believe as the Lord was speaking through Shekinah, the Lord just says to you, daughter, I'm restoring the joy of life. Um, instead of the burden of life. Life has been, um, you haven't 
you haven't despaired of life, but it, there hasn't been a lot of, um, of, of hope for tomorrow. And the Lord says, I'm restoring the joy of living, the joy of life. Um, and, and Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray that uh, lovingly uh, you would cut off uh, words that destroyed the way she saw herself and let her see herself the way you see her through, through Jesus. Go ahead, sweetie. I appreciate that, babe. Lord, so we thank you for the touch of God over her heart and life. And, Lord, that there's going to be a new adventure. And somehow, uh, young lady, somehow it's like the Lord says, I'm going to take you not just the joy of the Lord. I'm going to restore some uh, expressions, activity, uh, purpose, giftings that you found joy in in the past. Um, and and it's going to uh, enliven. You have a heart of an encourager, but the Lord says encourage yourself and then watch as God puts something. I, I don't know if it's artistic, but there's something in you that God's going to freshly anoint to touch other people. So, Father, we thank you for, for the touch of God there. Um, my brother here with the beard. Uh, I, I just offer this to you that um, it's like the Lord says, sometimes it can feel like we have to keep going around uh, the, in, in, in the Bible. The Israelites, they wandered for 40 years and sometimes went around the mountain over and over and over. And sometimes it can feel like our life is not necessarily going anywhere. We just kind of get caught in a circle. And, and I just sense the Lord saying, son, I want to break you out of the, uh, the circle where it seems you get right to the point of a breakthrough into, uh, into freedom, into purpose, and then just hit a wall. And okay, I'll go around the circle again. And I just sense the Lord saying, son, I want to break you through that. But it's not just a spiritual thing. I think it's also a mindset thing. Sometimes we have to see things in a different way. And, and we, it's almost like sometimes we, you, me, but, but in, in this instance right now, sometimes you can uh, fall back into seeing things. Well, this has happened before. This is what's going to happen again. And it's almost a, you know, it can, can be somewhat of a pessimistic mindset. And the Lord just says, I want to give you a mindset of faith. I want to give you a mindset. And it's not, uh, it's not being uh, foolish. It's not being gullible. But it's a mindset to see things through the promises of God. So, Lord, we thank you that you have purposed him to break out of a cycle, Lord, of just uh, existence, Lord, into purpose and the life. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are, the way she kind of put it in a devotional, you're etching out his future, Lord, and it's to break through. So, Father, we thank you for the touch of God. Shekinah, anything else, please? Yeah, for you, sir, I I had a vision of you, and you had a ring of keys in your hand, and you were trying to get the keys to work in the door, and none of them would, and the more you tried, the more progressively annoyed you got, and I saw as you kept trying one after another after another, and none of them seemed to be working, and then I saw as Jesus handed you a specific key, and you tried it in the door and it did work, but you had to wait for God's timing to give you the key. Um, what was your name again? Joel, is this your family here with you? Okay. Would you stretch your hands? So where, where's your wife? Is this? Okay. 
Wonderful. Just stretch your hands toward them. Please test this out. But um, I, I sense the Lord saying this. I am going to put the pieces of the puzzle together in a way that makes sense. It's like I saw um, the, the, the puzzle pieces of your life and you began forming them. You began, have you ever put a puzzle together and you typically start with the uh, the edges so you know what the picture is going to look like? And and sometimes we think, okay, well, I'm on my way. I know where we're going. I have a, an idea of where we're headed. And that's what it felt like a few years ago. And then as you have been trying to fit the pieces of life together as you move on, it's like a frustration because the pieces weren't there. They weren't fitting. And then in the picture I keep seeing is I saw uh, like a hand come down and take the even what you put together and kind of mess it up. And, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. Does this mean we have to start all over? What I felt the Lord saying is this. The uh, the edges, the the uh, the the, the, the Ah, come on. I'm trying to think of a better word for edges. But the edges of your life you put together were too small for what I want to do. The Lord was not angry, but he had to he had to stop you from hemming yourself in to a picture that was too small. So the Lord says, it was not judgment, it was grace to allow things to get messed up before you could uh, jail yourself in. The Lord says this, son, daughter, I am expanding your borders. Within you, brother, there is, like Jeremiah said, it's, his word is like a fire. Shut up in my bones. There is a fire that is going to be released. No matter how Isaiah's lips are touched with the coal of fire from off the altar. The fire of the word of the Lord. And, and my sister, there is a discernment. It's not just your personality. It's not just a sense. It is the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes, um, it, 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 I don't know how you all are. Because so, Kim is discerning. But sometimes, I oh, come on, it's going to be okay. Just don't be worried. You know, a warrior. But I, I learned through the years. 38 years, I've learned, listen to my wife. <laughs> and, and, but thing is, the enemy would want to try to take that discernment and turn it into um, a, 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 a mindset or glasses of seeing things with caution, over caution sometimes. But the Lord says it's going to be uh, the, the spirit of an adventurer, but with discernment. And so that discernment in you is being fine-tuned. And for you and the, the family... Missing one. Oh, my word. Gracious. I got one, and it was, she was a challenge. No, she wasn't. She was a joy. God, thank you for this family. Stretch your hands toward them, we pray. God, you are preparing, Lord, and just like Shekinah and Kim and I, Lord, there's a family anointing. May there be a family anointing, God, and a release upon them. Shekinah, please share what you there was a couple of things I saw for you guys. The first thing I saw is I saw as we started walking down a path. And seemingly out of nowhere, a door just slammed in your face. And then I saw as you started walking down another path and another door slammed in your face. And you didn't know where to go or what to do because these doors, these things, these places were all that you had been heading towards for so long. But then I saw as Jesus very gently turned you around and there was a whole other door there that you had never even seen before. And you started walking towards that door. But when you actually got to the door, you were scared 
because all of the other doors had slammed in your face. But I saw as you took a step through the door frame, and first of all, it didn't slam in your face, but then second of all, you looked around and you saw some promises God had given you a long, long time ago were coming true in this new door that God opened up for you. And I also heard the Lord say to you, I love them even more than you do. And I don't quite know who it's for, but I believe there might be someone in your life that you've been praying desperately for them to get on the right path, praying desperately for them to find the Lord. And the Lord is wanting to remind you that you don't have to worry. He loves them even more than you do. Stretch your hands so them if you would, please, congregation. I don't understand this fully, but it's like the Lord says, I'm redeeming legacy as well and generational things. It's, it's like somewhere in the past, people that had a, 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 a call, a plan, whatever of God, and, and they you maybe even started fulfilling it, but maybe did not finish. But however it is, God just says, I'm redeeming all of that. So, Father, we thank you. We bless this family, and thank you for the touch of God upon them in every dimension. Um, we're, we're just wanting to ask God to release his heart. Would you take just a moment, if you desire, uh, stretch your hands toward the Lord. God, thank you for your people. Lord, you love every one of us, even if we don't get a prophetic word today. Lord, even if, if, if we don't have a hand laid on us. Lord, we, each one of us, are unique and vital and, and uh, celebrated, uh, pursued by the heart of God. Lord, may everyone in this room and everyone part of this family, this church, Lord, feel the pursuit of the heart of God. That, Lord, we don't have to jump up and down to get your attention and say, God, here I am. Do you know me? Do you see me? Do you love me? But, Lord, may the heart of God, Lord, run after us. Lord, tackle us. Arrest our heart. Pull us in. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. May we have a revelation of the passionate heart of Jesus, Lord, in and through our lives. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Anything else, sweetie? Again, I forgot your name. I know I talked to you really quickly earlier, but the one in the cool, like, yeah, you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, I saw you, and I believe the Lord has a um, counseling anointing on you. In this vision, I don't know if you do any counseling in the natural. Of course, test everything out and pray everything out. But I saw as people were coming to you, and these people, they were at the end of their rope. These are people that were despairing of life, people that didn't know if they wanted to live anymore, people that had all of these questions. And I saw as the Lord was giving you very specific words to say to them. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think about everything that you're going to say. God is going to give you the words and put them in your mouth. But I believe the Lord is going to be using you as a counselor and as a healer to a lot of broken people. By that, it doesn't mean you have to have a title of a counselor and somebody laying down on a couch for an hour where you take notes. This is talking about releasing the heart of God with wisdom to people. So, Father, we thank you for the touch of God. And, Lord, uh, and, and again, like she kind of said, pray this through, but I sense there's going to be a redirection. There's some, some fresh directions for your family that God is doing uh, with you all. And God's not just going to leave you all stranded. <laughs> um, God is going to finish the work of redirection that he began with you all. So, Lord, thank you. God, in this house, let there be healing, wholeness, uh, uh, souls, uh, Lord, renewal, revival. God, we pray that this family would be uh, fully equipped to know and make you known, Jesus. We give you honor, and Lord, we seal the word and work of the Lord over our lives this day in Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thank you. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Emily or Dan. But uh, we will be down here for a few extra minutes if anybody wants uh, just a few uh, uh, minutes of extra prayer. But um, amen, amen. Oh, there, there you are. Boy, the lights, it's, it's like the glory. <laughs> amen. Thank you, Russ and Shekinah. God bless you. Please be like greedy people, greedy little birds that want more. And even if you've been ministered to, come and get some more. God is so good and so faithful. And, you know, we just saw them now this morning. We haven't talked about anything about the church or anybody in the church. So everything that you get prayed over is from the heart of God for you. So please trust that. And God is so faithful to every word that anybody ever speaks over you, prays over you. Like they said, take it home, write it down, compare it to the word of God. The words that, I got to not be emotional, but what, what they both prayed over us this morning was such a confirmation to what even Brian and Diana Lee a few weeks ago prophesied over us. You know, even right down to the word about us being a church that hugs our community, like seriously, that's the same word. And God is so faithful. So do that. Trust the Lord that what he is speaking to your heart today through um, our friends, compare it to what other words you've had. Compare it to what the word is saying. The Lord is speaking to your spirit. And trust him because he loves you so intimately. And he loves our church. Friends, I feel the love of the Lord for our church and through our church to our community. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.